Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This video shows the horrifying moments a man holding his two-year-old child enters an elephant enclosure at the San Diego Zoo. The elephant charging as the man scrambles to get to safety and for a moment dropping the child before making his way over a second fence. Oh boy. We were standing right there yelling, dude, what are you doing? Get out of there. Get the baby out. A two-year-old juvenile was taken into the elephant enclosure by a male who climbed over the fence and through the rope. The father arrested. 25-year-old Jose Manuel Navarrete now facing charges of suspicion of child endangerment, allegedly telling police he was trying to take a picture. The San Diego Zoo telling ABC News the enclosure houses... What? That's your excuse to the police? Well, I was trying to take a picture. Oh, okay. Suspicion of child endangerment? You about got your kids stumped by an elephant. I'd say there's a pretty good case. So I just saw the video for the first time. We have it at armstrongandgetty.com, and it's just exclusive. You can't find it anywhere else. So don't Google guy, elephant, two-year-old San Diego. Don't. No, it's we, only available. We have the official NFT. Yes. The, the one-of-one version of this thing that yeah. anywhere else is just a copy. It's a counterfeit. Yeah. So go to armstrongandgetty.com. I normally root for the beast in these encounters. Uh, the little kid changes the math, of course. Um, but I, I just, I have this instinctive desire to have those genes out of the gene pool. A guy who'd decide to fight a gorilla to impress his girlfriend or get in the lion cage, generally they're mentally Oh, no, I want them torn limb for limb. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, this guy. Give the, the lion a win. It's sitting there in the zoo. It's bored. He, he drops her right at the fence line. And I got to believe if the elephant had a full head of steam, that fence wouldn't have done any good anyway. Um, Man, that was dumb, obviously. He looks like the kind of guy that would take his two-year-old girl into the elephant enclosure to get a good picture. And um, the one guy saying, we were saying, dude, what are you doing that's dangerous? That gets to your old principle. Yeah. If you have to tell someone that taking your little child into the elephant enclosure is dangerous, you're wasting your time. I'm not sure what you yell at that point if you decide you're going to yell something, but the... That's dangerous is not going to help. Yes. Uh, Jim, uh, pointing that blowtorch straight at your face is going to burn you. You're wasting your time. They've already proven they can't be reasoned with. Maybe if you want to risk your life, go ahead, but not your little girls or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's What would he be the walked, perfect? He walked quite a ways in there, too. He's yeah. really lucky he didn't get hurt. Mostly lucky that uh, the the little girl didn't get hurt. What would be the perfect King Solomon-like elephantine judgment in this case? To me, it would be something like he runs, he tosses the child who is not injured to mom who is deeply mortified and ashamed and thinking, what have I done with my life? But anyway, child is safe. Elephant, mm, probably not stomps on his head because I don't want the girl to be fatherless, even though her father is a moron. Class A moron. How about the elephant, like, knocks him down and stomps on both his legs and breaks both his legs? I don't know. That poor little girl would need a lot of counseling the rest of her life. She watches her dad get stomped by an elephant. All right, one leg. (laughs) How about an ankle? Give me an ankle. Oh, my God. That's rough. Yeah. Um, new vaccine approved. So now we got another one out there. 
So that should up our chances of being able to get the vaccine. The the one that they banned in Europe briefly. Yeah, they took a quick pause on the AstraZeneca one, but it, it looks pretty damned effective. As usual, the effectiveness is being misreported by the media, as they say it's what is seventy eight percent or sixty eight percent, something like that. But they don't make clear is is that against all cases? Is that against symptomatic cases? And who cares if they get a sniffles? So is it against uh, uh, severe cases, hospitalizations, death? What percentage? What, what are you telling me a percentage of? If it's all cases, I don't care. I'll take the sniffles for a week. Yeah. Um, and uh, one other cool thing that has happened, Joe uh, Joe Biden. He's he's the president now. The former president, Donald Trump. This is uh, Donald Trump this morning. Most presidents, ex presidents like yourself, do not weigh in at this level. Why did you feel like you needed to on this issue? Well, you called me. I didn't call you, in all fairness. <laughs> That's hilarious. You call Donald hilarious. Trump, ask him something, and then say, uh, presidents don't weigh on this. Why did you? You asked me. You called me and asked me. Well, I suppose he could have declined, but uh, Obama blew that up, man. Obama was out and proud criticizing Trump. So, they, yeah, that tradition is is gone away. I wouldn't mind it coming back, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and plus, you know, Biden has over and over again, specifically, and by name, well, well, you don't really need the name, but specifically said, yeah, yeah, the border crisis, they left us with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, the previous administration did nothing about the vaccine. We started at ground zero. And at, at some point, I can't blame Trump for coming out and saying that's not true. No, the, the border one is a little more understandable if, 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 you, if you're going to try to make the argument that, look, the reasons that crises are these things. But the one on the vaccine, I just think, is just awful. I, I, I hate when he does that. His big speech for uh, the 100 millionth shot or the 500,000th death, whatever speech Biden gave, he opened with, we started with nothing. We were left with nothing. We had to start from scratch. I thought, oh, man, that's not cool. No. That's not, first of all, it's not true. And even if it were, eh, what, what, let's look forward. Let's be positive here. Let's not start open with blaming the previous president. Joe Biden is a dummy. What really annoys me about that or, or offends me about that, and I'm not really easily offended, is that the whole tone of that speech was so churchy and holy and serious and mournful because of the half million Americans who've died. I mean, it's not like he was discussing the infrastructure project or, or I don't know, something dumb that, you know, it just doesn't matter that much. You can't hit that sort of tone and then say something so ridiculously dishonest. That's just, it's ugly. So before we get to the, the, the serious topic of the way the media has been covering the shootings in Atlanta, the killings in Atlanta, and inventing a race war where one I don't think exists, which is, should be unconscionable, but is happening. Uh, how about we do that next segment? What do you think of jamming in a couple of basketball games here? Is March Madness soldiers on today? Does it? That's funny. I haven't been watching. I understand there were some upsets over the weekend, including the something or other Illini, an embarrassing school, an embarrassing team. If you went there, I wouldn't admit it. Ugly. Disgusting. Number one seed loses in the second game. Humiliating. Uh. (laughs) Anyway, the music, the pageantry of Sean predicting games. Oh, this is my favorite matchup of the day. We have the LSU Tigers taking on the Michigan Wolverines. Oh, my God. Oh, that, that, 
uh, you wear a tarp when you go to this one. <laughs> uh, now, Wolverine's ferocious. Just absolutely uh, t- t- ter- terrifying animals. But it is not the no. superhero from no. the X-Men comic books. He does not have an adamantium lace skeleton. The LSU Tigers is simply just a bigger It's a bigger version of it. It's yeah. going to win that one, yeah. I, I think, pretty handily. Gruesome. A noble, noble effort by the mighty uh, Wolverine. Uh, we have the Maryland Terrapins, which is a turtle taking on the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, now, uh, turtles, they seem very comfortable in the tides. They live in the ocean. I don't Love see whatever this color. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter what color it is. They're going to be fine. Long lifetime, the turtle. They live forever. Um, I give the advantage to the uh, Maryland Terrapins. It's a lock on that one. Uh, we have the Kansas Jayhawks taking on the USC Trojans. Ooh. Now, uh, Trojans, an Indian tribe. Wait, where'd my music go? Come back. Uh, the, uh, the USC Trojans, a Native American tribe. Bows and arrows come to mind. I feel those are the perfect sort of things <laughs> to a hunt a Jayhawk. Trojans? They, they were the, the Romans, right? Oh, that's right. No, no, I, I got ahead of Troy. No, I got, Troy, I got yeah. ahead of myself. Switch it up! The Jayhawk! You can't throw a spear that high into the air. Jayhawk's swirling around. They're probably dropping rocks on him from above. Uh, so, yeah, advantage Kansas Jayhawks in that one. Here's where I got my, my I got ahead of myself on the matchup. We have the Colorado Buffaloes versus the Florida State Seminoles. Now, oh. what part of the Buffalo do the Indians use? They use every part of the Buffalo. <laughs> Easy win for the Florida State Seminoles. They they uh, they, they trounce all over the Colorado uh, Buffaloes. That really <laughs> seems like a match made in heaven if you're the Indians. Yeah, no kidding. And they'll be wearing their jerseys, you know, if, if you will. Yeah, I mean, during it, the winter time, it's just a, a double insult there, right? They they defeat you, and then they use every part of you to yeah, make their exactly. merch. Exactly. That <laughs> <laughs> they sell at concession stands. Has the, I didn't think this was possible. I, this is not hyperbole to say the media, the mainstream media, has reached a new low, and I don't know where we're going from here. If you haven't been following the story, stay tuned. There's a rumored NC-17 cut of the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, but we'll talk more about that later. (laughs) No. No. Release the cut. (laughs) Full disclosure. So we were talking earlier about um, about, uh, the cancel culture and Bill Maher calling out uh, his own uh, side, really. Although the the woke left is different from classical liberals in a lot of ways. And there's now a controversy uh, involving Substack, which is this new, it's a website, it's a, it's a place where you can go to read your favorite journalists and they can post whatever they want as often as they want. You pay a subscription fee and it's getting harder and harder for journalists who have any creativity who are not willing to go along with the hardcore woke rigid ideology it's a place for them to publish and publish freely and be read well the woke crowd is aware of that now and is trying to get substack uh, uh boycotted or brought down or deplatformed or whatever it's really crazy and it's dangerous that's a different topic. Maybe we'll get into that in a little more detail tomorrow. But meanwhile, I, I was truly disturbed. And this is not talk radio trying to whip you up disturbed. I was disturbed coming across this article in the USA Today 
Um, and it's appeared under various headlines, but stop Asian hate, stop black hate, stop all hate. Many Americans call for unity against racism in the wake of the shooting of the Asian women in Georgia. And it's a classic piece of hinting, suggesting, uh, calling into question, but never providing any evidence that there was any uh, anti-Asian bias involved in the shooting. But it says stuff like many have rallied around the Asian American community in the wake of the Atlanta shootings. In the wake of this year's, uh, this week's killings, many have rallied in support, heightened solidarity. Um, it, it would seem as though a bunch of weird phrases that never connect the shootings to any anti-anything bias, well, also which the, is suggested over and over again. And those are words. There's the stepping up of patrols in major cities all across the country in Asian neighborhoods in the wake of the shootings in Atlanta, even though there's no reason to think that another sex nut is going to come to your neighborhood and start shooting up massage parlors. Right, right. Some say the heightened solidarity also presents a chance for communities of color to effectively address the common enemy of white supremacy, which has nothing to do with this. Uh, this issue is not going to appear over, disappear overnight. What issue? We're thinking about working together so our communities stop being targets. Targets of what? What are you talking about? While police say they haven't yet determined whether the 21-year-old suspect specifically targeted his victims, many have pointed out that. Who are many? And what's their evidence? It's hard to separate race from the equation, particularly after a recent spike in anti-Asian violence that began during the COVID-19 pandemic, which many believe, wait a minute, which many believe, which some have said, many have pointed out, Again, yeah, no I, evidence. I'm still, was fomented by the rhetoric of Donald Trump. I'm still not convinced that if there is an uptick in violence against Asians, that it's because of COVID, or certainly not convinced that it's because people were calling it the China virus. Right. I don't know that that's what's happening. I don't know what is happening. I don't know what's behind it. But show me some evidence. Has there been any attacker that has said, because if it has happened, I missed it. Has there been any attacker that has been arrested and said, they brought the China virus here, so I thought I'd... Has anybody said that? Well, I don't know. It's possible. But if they have, they're sick. I don't think anybody said that. If if I'm wrong, go ahead, text, email. I think this is all conjecture. So Andrew Sullivan has written a really good piece for Substack, speaking of Substack, um, about the shootings, and he makes it clear that it's not 100% clear exactly what was going on in this guy's crazy, crazy mind. He says it's probably complicated, or as my therapist used to say, multi-determined. But according to every piece of evidence we have so far, not a one of them confirms anti-Asian bias, and every piece of evidence so far confirms that it wasn't that. Nonetheless, though the New York Times ran one piece reporting that, and the Washington Post followed up with one piece citing contemporaneous evidence of the man's religious mania and sexual compulsion, one each now, keep that in mind, that one piece in the New York Times, against that they ran nine, nine separate stories about the incident as part of a narrative that was anti-Asian hate crime. Not to be outdone, the Washington Post ran 16 separate stories on the incident as an anti-Asian white supremacist hate crime. 16. 
in spite of the in spite rather of the lack of one piece of evidence that that had anything to do with it. That's shocking. And as Sullivan points out later, he digs into the U.S. Bureau of Justice Victimization Survey uh, numbers about anti-Asian um, offenses. Uh, you discover 24% of such attacks are committed by whites. The same percentage are committed by fellow Asians. 7% by Hispanics. And almost 28%, the highest number, by African Americans. So start with the fact that there's not a shred of evidence this had anything to do with anti-Asian bias. Then add in the fact that the majority, the, the huge majority, are committed by blacks, fellow Asians, and occasionally Hispanics. And what the hell are you talking about white supremacy for? Especially nine stories in the New York Times and 16 in the WAPO. And it's scary because if you keep presenting the narrative that there's a race war going on with whites out to get blacks and whites out to get Asians, you're going to end up with a lot of violence. And there's just there, the evidence doesn't back up the fact that that's happening. Right. And and please enlighten me. The last time somebody decided to target people for their religion or their ethnicity and they didn't tell everybody. Right. And post it online and, and, and say it at their trial. Right. That's a good point right there. Yeah. Unbelievable. And it's just, it's, there are no facts. Never mind, like, they took the facts and twisted them. There are no facts to justify their premise. It's kind of scary. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, I don't think we're going to have a fourth wave. I think what we're seeing around the country is parts of the country that are plateauing. We're seeing upticks in certain parts of the country. I think the fact that we have so much prior infection, 120 million Americans have been infected with this virus. The fact that we've now vaccinated, we've gotten one shot in at least 70 million Americans. Even if you account for the fact that maybe about 30 percent of the people being vaccinated previously had COVID, we're talking about some form of protective immunity in about 55 percent of the population. So there's enough of a backstop here that I don't think you're going to see a fourth And that would be at least 55% from Dr. Scott Gottlieb already have some sort of immunity. It could be a lot more than that. It could be more like 75-80%. Well, at that point, the virus doesn't have a chance. Nope. Really? That's his point. We're not going to have a fourth wave. Excellent. So unless a mutation comes along that can reinfect you or resist the vaccine, we're out of it. It's just a matter of weeks. Which is very exciting. Some horrendous new bat fever comes out of the China. Yeah, I keep hearing. I keep well, that could happen. Although I, that's I, fairly I, unlikely. I keep hearing people talk about that. Well, the next one, the next one. Well, it's been a hundred years between pandemics of this size, mm-hmm. so it's fairly unlikely. And it had to start in a place like China, or they'd have gotten it under control, and this wouldn't have happened. That's right. If this Never had forget. happened, practically anywhere else on Earth. If China had been honest, even a little bit honest, from the beginning of this, it would have been squashed. Yeah, yep. China is asshole! In so, short. I got on a poetry kick over the weekend, which is unlike me. I'm not really into poetry. I'd like to be into poetry, but I've always... Uh, it's like I'd like to be into physics. <laughs> I'm just not smart enough to understand like your astrophysics sort of stuff. Or poetry. Most of your great poems, I read a couple of lines... I don't understand what they're talking about. I get a little lost and I give up. Yeah. I just got to admit, that's. I wish I were smarter. But what are you going to do? Um, I'm too old to get smarter. 
<laughs> but uh, that's a great way to look at life. <laughs> uh, I was on uh, Tim Sandifer's uh, Twitter feed, and he had retweeted something from Econ Talk, which is one of your more popular podcasts. And um, they were talking to this uh, famous poet who, who I had never heard of, but um, and he was explaining the importance of literature and poetry in culture and the world. And it was one of the best arguments for it that I'd ever heard. And I retweeted it. And if you want to check that out, do. Um, arguing why why literature is important. Um, and particularly, they got into poetry. And he was uh, talking about how in all societies, going back as far as there is any recorded language whatsoever, poetry has played a major role in, it, in society. Really, every society on Earth throughout thousands of years, except for now in America, is pretty much it. Um, for whatever reason, we gave up on the idea of poetry early 1900 sometime while at the same time having the most people making a living off poetry how interesting because of pumping money into universities and poetry departments and all that sort of stuff Ah. there are more people actually making a living off of poetry but fewer people reading poetry than ever before and this poet believes there's a relationship there and there's way too much time spent analyzing and that sort of stuff and not enough uh, uh not enough time just taking it in and enjoying it Hmm. Um, and Tim has tweeted also about literature departments all across America. I, I find this troubling. So for poetry and literature, there's a lot of this is what's wrong with this white male's poem for 200 years ago. Oh, my God. And 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 almost no anywhere in America just plain appreciating the art that had such an effect on the world. Yeah, this is a human expressing their humanity in a way that you can probably relate to. No no time for that. It's all the race war. So that's one topic, and then I kind of got off onto this on my own as I was I was thinking, okay, i got to read more poetry. I got So I just, I just kind of Googled, you know, most famous poems of all time. Uh, I'll start there. What are the most important poems of all time? Man from Nantucket. And, uh, and arguably, the, arguably, the most famous piece of literature... In American history, and certainly, almost beyond a doubt, the most famous poem in American literature is The Road Not Taken. In English literature, I'm sorry, uh, because he was English. The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. And so then I saw a link on an article about it on how there is a book that was written a couple of years ago, The Most Famous and Most Misunderstood Poem. And I thought, well, misunderstood, that's interesting. Now, I barely have any memory of it. I'm sure I had to read it in high school or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And my memory is the same as everybody else's memory. You have kind of a memory of there are two paths you can take, and you took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. And that, yeah, booyah, I'm a a go-getter. I don't run with the pack. I do what I want to do. I took the, the road less traveled, which is one of the reasons that the road less traveled has as many Google searches as The Road Not Taken, because people even have the name of the poem wrong, because that last line gets so much attention. The The Road Not Taken is the name of the poem, but it's often referred to in advertisements, graduation speeches, movies, all kinds of places, as either the path or the road less traveled. So even the name of it gets mixed up. And and this guy uses in the introduction of his book an example of a, Ford commercial, but I've seen this sort of thing before. I think a Nike commercial that that they use that line from the Robert Frost poem is, you know, a guy, you know, Nike, just do it. You know, that's, you know, that's funny. The thought in my mind as you were doing your, it sounds like a pickup truck commercial. Yeah. And it's been used for all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to read the poem to you. It's kind of short. 
And as I read it, before I even got into the explanation, as I read it, I thought, wait a second, that doesn't make sense with what my memory is of it. Mm-hmm. But so I'll read it. I'll read it, it slowly. Does it rhyme? Uh, kind of. Okay. But two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair. And having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first one for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I should be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. So as I read this, when I read that one line about each one of them had really about the same amount of wear, I thought, wait a second, that doesn't fit with my memory or the conception of what's going on there. And then so this book about how this is the most misunderstood poem of all time, uh, it digs into some letters. He had this friend who always had trouble making decisions. And uh, fussed about this or that, and then would choose one or everything like that. And it's basically mocking people who fret over decisions and then pick one, and then long in the distance they'll explain to someone, "Ah, yes, but I took the hard path, the not trodden <laughs> path. I'm the sort of person that goes out on his own way." It's really mocking that that either path would have been the same. You didn't really know. You took one. They got you to the same point. It didn't make any difference. Wow. But aren't you in the future going to make you such the individual go getter? <sighs> it's almost the exact opposite of the way people take it. Wow. And so, and it blew my mind. But now, here's a twist to that in my own mind. If the reason it is mostly the most famous piece of literature in America is that because people take it by the other reason, the wrong intent, well, then what is it really? Is it, I mean, that's why it's the most famous piece in America. Not because of the original intent. Not because it's because of the misinterpretation. Yeah. That it's used in car commercials and Nike ads and movies and, and they, they, they had a link to like a thousand graduation speeches that have used that line. Oh boy. So the reason it's famous is the misinterpretations. I don't think it would have been a famous as he made it more clear what he was talking about. You know, some songwriters are poets, some are not. Uh, for instance, uh, I would argue that the fellows in ACDC, as gifted as they are, are not poets. Uh, Robert Plant, occasionally a poet, give, give you every inch of my love, not poetry. But Dylan's a poet. But some songwriters are, like Bob Dylan and Jeff Tweedy of Wilco, who I like very well, much and is definitely people. a poet. They both have a firm policy of I never explain songs, saying, both of them, roughly word for word, who am I to impose my understanding of this song on you? You have an understanding of it, and it's yours. Well, and I also know from reading a lot about this sort of thing from some of my favorite songwriters who are writing, Towns Van Zandt, absolutely a poet. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. He's one of the most famous poets in America for people who like that kind of music. That's where our poetry is. It's in the lyrics of songs. But anyway, he doesn't know what they mean. A lot of your great writers, Dylan, he doesn't know what they mean. I I was watching (laughs) that uh, Scorsese documentary, old interview of Dylan, and he's angry about... um, uh, 
some song in the future. And he's saying people talking about um, uh, times they are changing and putting all these and he drops an F-bomb on what it means. I don't even know what it means, but they claim they know what it means. <laughs> yeah, I know what my songs mean. I wish she hadn't dumped me. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I thought that was mind-blowing. One, that w- the most famous poem in America, the most quoted poem in America, is almost the opposite of what he intended. And then two, if, if, if the intent, if the wrong intent is what's famous, I don't know. Would it even be a household name if people had taken the correct intention? Or did he write it for the first reason, have it interpreted as the second one, only to be waiting for people to realize that the road less traveled is not the broad interpretation, but the original interpretation, and therefore you're you're a pickup truck there going is, straight up the mountain. There is some of that. There is some I of don't that. Know. Oh, and I also, while I was thinking about this, and I've talked about this a lot, um, when I talk about how uh, everybody should shoot to be average, you should want your kids to be average, you should want to be average. And I think it's kind of like this. The, 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 you want to take the path most traveled. That's the smart thing to do. The road less traveled is dumb. If you're talking about paths like finish school, get a job and support yourself, raise your kid, get married, that's what most people do. That's right. the path most traveled. Mm-hmm. Plan for retirement. That's the path most traveled. That's the well-worn path. That's a great path to be on. Don't go to jail. Don't commit crimes. Those are the most trodden paths. Those are great paths to be on. That's Those are paths I want my kids to be on. Right. Right. Interesting. Anyway. Will you bring us another poem tomorrow and interpret it? I don't know. Interpreting poetry. I'm not, I don't know that many successful talk radio shows that do a, a whole bunch of interpretive poetry, but... Anyway, uh, text line is 415-295-KFTC. Oh, aren't you fancy? You took the path less traveled. Good for you. That's basically what he was saying. <laughs> well, and now, thanks to Apple Maps, the path less traveled is just as traveled as the other path. All right. Now it's clogged up. Because <laughs> they're trying to get around. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Armstrong and Getty. Hi, I'm William Shatner. I have searched earnestly and desperately for intelligence and perception in the universe, and I have found it everywhere except here on Armstrong and Getty. That's awesome. And what's good about that is... That's like your opinion, Captain Kirk. He he sounds like Captain Kirk in that clip, William Shatner. (laughs) It's William Shatner's birthday. He's 90 years old. Wow. Wow. What a long run. Um... Um, Mitt Romney has tweeted out about the border situation. The Biden administration's lack of understanding of the power of incentives continues to baffle me. Allowing unaccompanied minors to stay in the United States will yield a flood of unaccompanied minors. It's de facto child separ- It's de facto child separation policy. Agreed. Okay. Thought that was interesting. You know, it's also interesting how nobody ever says, and I'm talking about the, the, the main part of the discussion in America right now. The media, the commentators, the politicians. Nobody ever friggin' brings up, what should the policy be? What should we be doing? What should our overall approach to immigration be? As if the question doesn't even exist. I know. What What is our goal here? Yeah. No, it's just, look at them, look at them, they're screwing up. Look at them, they're screwing up. What's the goal for the nation? Mm-hmm. 
And then we can we can discuss it. Maybe you have different goals than I do, but let's have a discussion about that. Nope, never even get to the basic, even the most basic questions around it. Uh, happy to see a lot of people not using the Atlanta shooter's name. I think, I don't know if our screaming about it for years did any good. Uh, but a, a whole bunch of people I came across where it says, it brings me to the Atlanta sh- shooter. I will not be using his name. I saw that in so many different publications over the weekend. That's oh, great. That is encouraging, yeah. yeah. After Good. years of screaming about that, finally it caught on. Was it COVID that started that? or I don't know. Just a change in, I don't know. The Washington Post has a piece today called Perspective. Finally, at least somebody is catching on. I was saying last week, hey, there's a really, really interesting story. In this Atlantic shoot, Atlanta shooting story, but you're you're missing it because it's not white supremacy against Asians. Perspective: the illicit massage industry is built on hate crimes against Asian Asian women. Ding, ding! There are Asian women who are sex slaves all over America at thousands and thousands of these massage parlors, and nobody's paying attention to. That is the crime against Asians that you should be paying attention to. Yeah, you know, you could almost, almost make an argument for hypersexualization of Asian women through the sick practice of sex slavery, a.k.a. human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Why why Advocate for Women gave it such a an antiseptic name, human trafficking? It sounds like civic planning. It's sex slavery. But anyway, you could almost make an argument that, okay, the guy was addicted to sex and he saw Asian women as sexual beings. But that's a stretch, and it has nothing to do with white supremacy. It has to do with sexual obsession. And And, porn, by the way. And finally, here's my my favorite Twitter follow. Everybody should have this Twitter follow. Did you know this existed, Sean? Um, I didn't. There's a Twitter account called the Daily Death Reminder. And if you follow it every (laughs) single day, it just says, you will die someday. (laughs) And it reminds you every day. (laughs) It's important to keep that in perspective. You'd think what? three days a week would be adequate, wouldn't you? What a hilarious idea! How many followers does it have? Uh, I don't remember. It was. Oh, a wait lot. a second. I got it. I've got it handy because I'm looking at our Twitter feed. It was know. a lot, I think. Um, but you, uh, and that's all it is. Every single day, you will die someday. <laughs> <laughs> it has thirty-five thousand. There you go. More than us. And now, final thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. Engage. So if all we tweeted out is you will die someday, we would have more followers than we have now. Here's you your host. Throw that in. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew, beginning with our technical director pressing the buttons in the control room, Michelangelo. Final thought? Yeah, Jack. Uh, my wife thanks you for the farm fresh eggs. Any uh, fresh produce you want to give us, we're grateful for. Just nothing from the back of your fridge, please. I do have some <laughs> gross stuff back there. Uh, tell me about it. You Positive, want, Sean? You yes? want two weeks ago taco meat? Uh, no, no thanks. Judy and I had, we were cleaning out the fridge last night, and it was like, this is probably still good, you think? Yeah, probably. Once you have that conversation, it yeah. ain't getting in. Yeah, probably not. Positive Sean, our producer, with a final thought. Oh, going on a gigantic supplies run. I think I've been more than two months without going to the grocery store. I've not been living what I would uh, describe as a healthy lifestyle. But uh, looking forward to actually refilling the coffers, getting the cupboards full again, and, uh, you know, preparing food at home. Here, here, Jack, the co-host of the dang show. Do you have a final thought for I us? I wonder if something about the relaxing of the COVID restrictions has made us all go off the eating wagon. 
lifestyle-wise. It's just I'm a, supporting local businesses. Or something. <laughs> um, um, speaking of Twitter, a bunch of Twitter accounts got canceled during the purge. Remember that a couple of months ago? And we lost yeah. everybody, especially people on the right at all, lost a bunch of followers. Um, check and see if you're still on there or follow us, because we, we try to tweet good stuff on there. Uh, what is our account? <laughs> At ANG Show, although you just search on Armstrong and Getty and you'll find it. Okay, it's, good. It's, it's easy. I took like a month's vacation from Twitter. It was How just bringing like me it? down. Mm. But I'm back in better than ever. <laughs> I actually, I did, <laughs> I did like it very much. My final thought is, for some reason, I've never been a New Year's resolution, let's do this guy. But spring, I do have that energy. Okay. And what is yours? So, have a spring resolution. What is Mine yours? Mine actually has to do with the house, getting a bunch of stuff done. I'd replace some ceiling fans I've been thinking about, cleaning out the garage, that sort of thing. My spring resolution will be get to, to get new glasses. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. That's not a resolution. It's an errand. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. A lot of... you got to go... Yeah, good... Yeah, what? What? Click, God click, bless please. America. If you're trying to have a good time, just come no matter what. Yeah. Stay healthy. I wish him good health. I say this without irony. Yeah. Oh, now. Sounds like an excuse. That certainly sounds stupid. Bravo. Goodbye, sweet America. Fucking trash. Yeah. I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. No. Hi, I'm William Shatner. I have searched earnestly and desperately for intelligence and perception in the universe, and I have found it everywhere except here on Armstrong and Getty. On that high note, thank you all very much. Uh, Armstrong and Getty.